Staying up past 9.30 p.m., that's a win. Like, I'm really proud of myself when I stay up and my husband and I finish an episode of House of Dragons without falling asleep. I'm really proud of us. You're listening to Skip Intro with me, Krista Smith. Just before the dissolution of the Soviet Union in 1991, seven-year-old Mila Kunis and her family left what is now present-day Ukraine and immigrated to the United States, settling in Los Angeles. On her second day in L.A., Mila, who didn't speak a word of English, enrolled at Rosewood Elementary School. Her father, who had been a mechanical engineer back in the Soviet Union, delivered pizzas to make ends meet before eventually becoming a taxi driver. Her mother, a home economics teacher, worked in the back of Thrifty's drugstore, now Rite Aid, unpacking boxes before eventually working her way up to become a manager. When she was nine years old, Mila voiced her desire to begin taking acting classes. She would learn much later as an adult that at the time, the family only had $900 in their bank account. Despite this, for some unknown reason, Mila's mother agreed to the classes and paid the $890 fee so her daughter could pursue her dream. What makes this even more interesting is that in Mila's family, they didn't really give birthday presents or holiday presents. So this gesture by her mother had added significance. Not too long after that, Mila began working regularly in commercials and appearing in guest roles in television. Her big break came when she was cast as Jackie on That 70s Show, an incredibly popular series that ran for nine years, from 1998 to 2006. It also starred her now-husband, Ashton Kutcher. However, I should note, they were never involved during the making of the series. Since then, Mila has demonstrated her wide-ranging talent in films like Forgetting Sarah Marshall, Black Swan, and Ted, and made her mark as Meg in nearly 400 episodes of the ongoing show Family Guy. Today, Mila is joining me from Pier 59 Studios in New York City to discuss her latest film, Luckiest Girl Alive, where she not only stars, but produces. Mila just wrapped up a photo shoot, so if you hear some bangs and clangs in the background, that is the lovely crew tearing down the set. Sorry, listeners, there was just nothing we can do about it, but at least you know it's live and in real time. Nice to see you again. I mean, the last time I saw you, I feel like we were talking about your parents and you were lamenting that they wouldn't retire. So I'm wondering if they ever did retire. (laughs) They retired. Yes, yes, yes. My parents have since retired and now they just want to kill each other. So I don't know. Maybe they shouldn't have retired. I love your parents. I mean, I love them bickering now in retirement. It's It all feels a little perfect, oh Mila. God. I don't know. <laughs> bickering. I didn't say bickering. I said they hate each other. Okay. That's not bickering. Bickering makes it sound cute. It's not cute. Yeah. I don't, don't retire. I went from being like, please retire, begging them to retire to now being like, you should get a hobby. You should get a hobby and you two need to separate and go to separate parts of the house. Oh, it's so great. Oh, what amazing grandparents. Your kids are so lucky. It's great that they yes. have them. Oh, they have a very good sense of humor. There's this, my, my parents are really funny. I did record this. I don't know what I'm going to do with it, but I, I want to put a little video together for them. There's a um, a board game that friends of ours gave us called Beat the Parents. That's a really great game for like 6 to 10, 6 to 12. Okay, that would be my guess. But the idea is you put wages. If I win, I being the parents, you have to, 
and then you you wage it. Like for the next week, you have to do whatever you choose. And the kids get to go. If I win, you have to, and they have to put in their wages, right? And we played this game. It's like a trivia game. And my parents were over, and my and Ash and I were like. And we told the kids, we're like, guys, go ask Baba and Dada to play this game with you. And they're like, really? And I was like, yeah, yeah, go get them. Because we knew my parents playing American trivia games with physical challenges would make our day. And they did it. They were like, okay, I don't understand. But okay. Here's what surprised me. My parents' geographical knowledge and historical facts, I was like, how do you know this? And they were like, because we're well educated. What do you mean by the window? Like how many men have or how many people have stepped foot on the moon? Okay. Uh, I'm thinking two. My, my dad goes, I forgot the answer, but I think it's he goes, 12. And I was like, dad. And he's like, 12. And my daughter's reading the question. She goes, 12. <laughs> and I was like, how did you know? Like, so needless to say, though, they lost. They lost fair and square. And my kids got the... Um, their little wager and so my parents had to take them shopping to target <laughs> <laughs> oh i love no, they have that. great great grandparents they that's very awesome. fun yeah they're up for a good anything all right well this is exciting i think luckiest girl alive is a great moment for you for one you're a producer Thanks. on it as well thank as you. starring in it thank you and it's been a minute since i've seen you on the screen so i was really happy to see you on the screen and acting and participating in in even a bigger way so and especially with this this character in luckiest girl alive you play almost two characters in a way there's tiffany obviously and then ani the kind of Mm -hmm. grown-up version of tiffany but they're both Mm -hmm. the same person and what i really liked about this film is the they're both happening at the same time as you follow her through her journey. So as an actor, like, how did you get into doing that? Like, was that, uh, what was your kind of process and in, in being very clear that one is Tiffany and one is Ani? The best way I can explain that is script notes. So like when you have a script, you kind of outline where you were for me. I mean, that's how I work, not everybody. But in because everything is shot out of order anyways, but you have like this quick cheat sheet. I mean, I do. Before every single scene, that reminds me of all the important things that had just happened in the previous scene, and I do that for every single scene. So it's like almost rinse and repeat. So that when I'm shooting, I don't have to reread the whole script to remind myself of where I just was. I just have my cheat sheet of notes that remind me, like, oh, this just happened. Event B happened. Event C happened. This is this is coming back out of event D or whatever it was, right? And so for me, I create a little cheat sheet. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Your company is Orchard Farm Productions, right? Yeah, we started a long time ago, and we started with television, and then we st- we, we developed a bunch of shows and TV, and then we were trying to do films for other people, and found that it was uh, easier to just do a movie for myself. That's <laughs> 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 the honest truth. Um, I think I was like in the show, like a big move of like I don't need to produce for myself to get a movie made. That's not true. Uh, it was much easier for me to get a movie made when it was with me in it. Mm-hmm. And what what made you want to do this film? I mean, obviously, one as a producer and make this the one that you're going to produce and star in. That's such a, I'm trying to remember, like, why did I say this? I'll tell you, I did a, a, a film right before COVID hit called Four Good Days with Glenn Close. And I was so proud of that movie. But I didn't have control over the outcome of so many things that ended up happening that could have been different and I wasn't a producer, so I had very little say in what could have been done. And I was like, man, that sucks because I, I feel like this could have happened so much different, blah, 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 blah. So that this movie comes to me and I'm like, look, 
I'm not going to do that again. So I'm in, but I want to have full, like, in. Like, I want to be in. I want to make sure I'm the edits, the dailies, where it gets released, how. I want to be a part of the entire process. I just don't want to look back and say I should have. And the only reason I didn't jump on to Four Good Days is because I felt like I wasn't, it wasn't necessary. Like, I was like, I don't need to. These are really, this will, this will be great without me having to be on it. And then at the end of it, I was like, nah, I would have added something awesome. And so... That's kind of how I looked at at, um, at Luckiest Girl. Is I was like, I don't, I want to let me let me let me do this one. At least this way, if I, if it's all messed up and horrible, I have nothing to. It's all on me, and I don't have anybody else to point fingers at. So, that's kind of how it happened. But as far as like quality of script goes, it was one of the first ones I read where I thought the voice was different and exciting and I thought though we we do have movies where there is a thriller aspect and it's a woman who dot 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 and that's not an uncommon theme especially on Netflix but what makes this one stand out to me is the fact that A it's loosely based on somebody's life and B it's the actual tone of the film that I don't think that we have seen before so that to me was the most exciting mm-hmm. was finding that tone and I also understood the audience that this was for. Oftentimes you make a movie or you don't make a movie, but you go, who am I making this for? Like, who's the audience that's going to respond to this? And when I looked at this, I was like, I, to me, it was really interesting because it wasn't simply a one-quadrant female thriller. It was multi-quadrant. And I was like, that's awesome. And Mike Barker directing it to me was really exciting. And, and Bruna and Eric being a part of the team. Like, the entire team, the entire collaborative nature of the whole process was what was really exciting to me. Mm-hmm. And the film deals with a lot of, you know, intense topics, obviously. And yeah. a lot that Tiffany goes through. Uh, there's a younger actress playing you um, in the flashback yeah, scene. Kiara. And she's fantastic, I will say. I'll give a shout out yeah. to Kiara. She does a great job. And you have the each other's essence. It really works both kind of physically and emotionally. But as an actor and as a producer, what were the challenges in kind of navigating some of that stuff? Yeah, I think as an actor, none. As a producer, getting people into a country in the middle of a peak pandemic in order to do location scouting when you weren't allowed to go to the locations was the biggest challenge. So Kiara was coming from one part of the country. Mike Barker was coming from a different part of the world. I was coming from a separate part of the country. And I think that seeing if anybody could ever be at the same place at the same time, that was an impossible task. Um, we ended up working on Zoom. We never met in person. It just wasn't. So that that to me was the hardest was just the, the complications of COVID. But as far mm-hmm. as the acting of it, again, I was super lucky in the fact that because I mean, I, I, I got to see the dailies every day. And we wanted to, or I say Mike Barker really wanted to, with Bruna, condense the younger Ani stuff to a shorter period so that all of the stuff that you saw was the first shot out of the gate, and then we can go and shoot the rest of the movie. And so for the first two weeks of production, while I was um, quarantining in in Canada, they were shooting Kiara stuff, and I got to watch dailies every night. And so I wouldn't say like I studied Kiara because there's no mimicry, there's none of that. But I was I felt like the I, I like that's kind of how I did it is just by watching her work every single night. And then when I got to set, we like pick and chose one or two things to integrate. But we didn't go to Kiara and go, Kiara, you need to do this. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And there's also the film talks about some really tough themes. I mean, even in the movie, I like at one point you're like rape. Yeah, it's a bad word. It makes my skin crawl. Say it over and over again. I want you to be familiar with that word. 
word. I yeah. love that scene because it is that word. Everyone is it is an uncomfortable, but this film really, really examines all of that. And and for you, how important was that to get that tone right, obviously, and to bring this this kind of um, story to light? Right. I mean, I go back to it's loosely based on something that Jessica Knoll went through. So for me, it wasn't um, something that someone can watch and go, I call BS. This couldn't happen because I can go, but it did. And that's why I thought that this was an important story to tell is for the people that are like, that's not possible. This wouldn't have gone down that way. That's but it did. And she was always really honest with the shame that she that the character felt. And I thought that that really was interesting because it wasn't. It, it goes back to the conversation, are you a survivor or are you a victim? And I love that because that is the whole movie. It's figuring out, A, do we need to label ourselves, but also what are you, who are you, what do people want you to be, what do you want to be? And it's coming to terms with Anne, all of that. And I, so I, I thought that that was important to showcase. And the fact that you're doing it is is really powerful because one of the things that I have always felt in life is when you see people, whether... Um, it's at Starbucks or you're, uh, you know, in line, you know, at a grocery store or whatever. You never know what someone's going through. You never know Ever. what just has happened in yeah. their life. And it's just such so interesting because you look at someone like you. Uh, you're yeah. beautiful. You've got all this. Oh, my God. And I love that luckiest girl I've yet. Aren't I lucky? Look at me. And but you yeah. what you don't know. And I think it's just such an interesting topic that we haven't really dug into. And I like the way this film starts to dig into that in terms of the female condition of like, oh, you're beautiful. You have everything. I think that just to add to your point, I, I, you can take the, the, the tragic event out. And we are living in a time of social media where everybody projects outward a perfect version of themselves, whether they believe it or not, it's what they want. They want people to see. So when we're out and about, I mean, I was I've been in New York for an entirety of what twelve hours. I don't know, yeah. being here, but you go on the street and everybody looks the way that they want to project themselves to be. Nobody, you don't know who anybody is. Nobody, and we have this youth that's taking photographs of themselves and depicting themselves and lifestyling themselves in a way that that showcases a very lucky, fortunate way of being. And that's the admiration of so many people nowadays that nobody's even ever talking about what is actually happening behind closed doors. So I think that even if you never had trauma, even if you never had anything, most people can relate to the idea of projecting outward what it is you want people to believe you are versus who it is that you really are. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I think it's an epidemic. And it's it's interesting. Someone asked me earlier if my kids were on social media. And I have two teenage boys. And they mm-hmm. are both on social media, but very more to communicate with their peers, less they don't post that much unless they have a Finsta or whatever it is that, I, that I'm not aware of. But mm-hmm. it is one of those things that you think about as a parent. And I know it especially is hard on young girls ah. looking a certain way and being a certain way. I Like I said, I have boys are a little bit more oblivious. Like you're not on social media. How do you think about that as a mom? I talk about it. We talk about it incessantly. It's not like a secret in our house that it exists. My eight-year-old's fully aware of it. She goes on play dates where other kids show her Instagrams. She has seen millions of TikToks from her friends. We talk about it. And I simply go, no. And -hmm. I have no problem explaining to you why. I was like, no problem. I was like, let me. And my husband, I will sit down and be like, here is what the internet looks like. And when you are 16, 17, and that is something you want to deep dive into, I won't be able to stop you. But you're not getting social media until you get a phone. 
and you're not getting a phone until you can afford your phone, which means you won't be able to afford your phone until you can get a job. And if you can hold a job and get a job and be responsible and buy a phone, you probably can maintain a social media account. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And we say this very openly. Mm-hmm. Well, it's interesting because your husband, Ashton, was the first. I, I remember when he was like, I'm going to be the first to get to a million on Twitter. And he basically made Twitter yeah. the thing. You know, yeah. I, I remember him on CNN talking about it. And also, I think that the two of you have really used social media in its best intent with the philanthropy you've done. That's the best side of it, right? I mean, you guys were incredible, obviously, early on with raising money for Ukraine and really bringing that uh, struggle to Americans on a firsthand basis. So in that sense, that's where I struggle with it, right? You think about the good and then you think about the overwhelming Oh, I think the internet can have so much amazing possibilities. And I think that social media does too. I do. I think that, you know, what social media was 10, 15 years ago, the idea of what social media was and the end result, you can't predict. You could go into something being like, this is amazing. You get to talk to people. You have instant communication, this instant access. You don't ever think that that's going to be weaponized against you later, you know. So that is the downside of social media. That being said, it can actually be incredible. You just need to have a brain that is formed enough so and a self-esteem that is formed enough so where all the horrible things will not deter you from being able to do all the good. So I don't think that social media is bad, nor do I think it's ever going to go away. But I think that a 15, I think that a 14, 15 year old that is going through so many other things, have everything be so permanent in their life and on top of it, have it be on their wall or on their social media. It's, it's an unfair expectation of someone who hasn't even fully developed yet, mm-hmm. let alone of a 20 year old or a 30 year old. Like I probably am just now at 39 in the mindset of being like, oh, maybe I can look at people's comments, but I don't want to. But I never have. I'm right. 39. I've never looked at people's comments. You know why? Because I like myself. I like myself. I don't want to feel worse. Like, I don't need to. And so I think that if you can get halfway there, you can utilize social media for good. Mm-hmm. I think what's interesting about you, Mila, is you've always had incredible confidence. And I go back to one of the very first times I met you, and it's just you've always had it. You've had such clarity of who you are in the world. And I wonder if you can speak a little bit to that. Like, was that something that you had to have? Like, I know it's kind of been famously talked about, and I still love, I remember when you told me that story that your grandma sent you to elementary school with a box of chocolates because you didn't speak any English, right? Here's here's a box of chocolates, like, go, you know, you don't speak any English, but go to the second grade and, you know, make it work. I mean, I wonder, is is that part of it, why you've had such confidence? Because you've never seemed to be derailed by a lot of the potholes that can happen with, especially for a female and a young female in this industry. I got very lucky very early on with my manager. Let me begin there. So at nine years old, when I signed with Susan Curtis, okay, let me back that up. Before I signed with Susan Curtis, my parents worked multiple full-time jobs. So they were like, if this is something you want to do, you got to figure this out. We'll help you, but you need to, you know, they barely spoke English. They they were like, you got to figure this out. And so I was like, okay, I'll figure this out. It's that like... And those nine false sense of bravado because the idea of failure meant that I couldn't do what I loved. And so I was like, yeah, I got this. So I met with a bunch of people, Susan Curtis being one of them. Um, and I was like, I want that lady. My parents were like, okay. 
great. I signed with Susan Curtis. She's been my manager for 30 years now. So the beautiful thing about that is I've always been protected. Always 100% of the time been protected. I never had someone in my corner. Agents come and go. But I've never had someone in my corner like Susan Curtis, ever, ever. And now she has a daughter, Cammie Curtis, who's also her manager. I'm just saying this because I saw her looking at me. <laughs> Cammie's awesome. She's fine. She's there. But let me tell you, Susan Curtis is one bad bitch, okay? Mm-hmm. That woman was ahead of the curve on so many things in this industry and protected me and nurtured me. I have awesome parents. Like, unbelievable stubborn awesome parents but as far as like industry being nurtured within the industry I got lucky with Susan Curtis but let me not discredit my awesome parents my parents are pretty great they drive me crazy but they're pretty awesome <laughs> well that's what we're there for and you'll see you'll drive your children crazy too Never. right no 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 not my babies they'll love me forever <laughs> yeah they're young still right yeah maybe yeah, yeah yeah I don't know it's kind of it's kind of fabulous I love your whole I love the whole story of you and Ash and I have to say I just love it because <laughs> it's it's one of those things where I remember reading a statistic that said, you know, 75% of people marry someone they knew in high school and even though they weren't together when they were in high school. And I feel like, well, you're, you know, you're the 70s show was high school basically for you. Yeah. Yeah. It was high school for me. You know, I know. I I think this is wild too. We've been together 10 years and I still think this is crazy. Like it still has not faulted either one of us that we had no idea I mean, the, the crazy part is anyone that says, oh, I knew back then the two of them, the way they were, they are liars. Nobody knew. Like, we didn't know. It wasn't, it's just so crazy what life, where it takes you, man. It's right. Crazy. And I think it's interesting also where your careers have taken both of you. And I, I think that you have so many interests outside of just acting. And I think that's something yeah. I mean, I've always admired that with Ash and certainly he, he has always pursued other things and with great success, too, to his credit, you know. Yeah. But you, I feel like you're just getting started and you say you're 39. I feel like the next decade is kind of going to be start your lying? best. Should we start lying and saying I'm 29? So my next decade, <laughs> we can just pretend is my 30s. Can we start this lie rumor? Sure. Um, you're very sweet. Thank you. I actually, I, I, I hope that you're not wrong. Like, I honestly, I I love the idea. I don't ever want to do something. I want to keep doing things that make me a little bit uncomfortable. And there comes a place where you get a little complacent in your job. If your job is something that you have done over and over and over again, there's a part of it that feels a little bit like rinse and repeat. And you want to challenge yourself. And you can argue and say that you challenge yourself with the roles that you take. But that's a moment in time. I want to I continuously learn. I want to, I want to, not to say like I want to go and become like a physicist, like that's not going to happen. But like the idea of a different career in your 40s seems kind of exciting to me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Any thoughts? No, I have no other skills. This is where I shoot myself in the foot. I only know how to do one thing, act. I know this industry like the back of my hand. And so whatever it ends up happening is probably going to be within this industry. But I love the business side of things. I will say my husband's very much gotten me, forced me into giving um, a crap about um, business and investing and things like that. And he's made me find a... um, an understanding of it that I otherwise wouldn't have. Mm-hmm. I mean, you have said before that you're the only person in your family that didn't go to college. So I know. do you think you might go to college? Is that, that might be something no. you might do? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. 
I don't need you. I'm okay. (laughs) I will learn through internships, okay? I will learn through watching people and learning from people and having... The thing about colleges, I mean, unless you're going to be a doctor, of course, I think so many things about colleges is about relationships and finding and building relationships that you can use in life. I really do. And the be- the most incredible thing about the career that I've had, honestly, is the relationships that I've been able to to have and make and learn from. And, and that's kind of where I'm at right now. It's like I have amazing people around me. Why not learn from them? Why not ask them questions? I don't. I'm fortunate enough to be friends with an Adam Grant. I don't need to take Adam Grant's class. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I can just bother him at dinner and ask him a million questions instead. Mm-hmm. And then you need to translate that to everybody who doesn't get to have dinner with him. And, and, and that's the beautiful thing about the Internet, right? Like you can go and watch YouTube videos of people that you admire and love and listen to them talk and teach classes. And and I love doing that. Like that to me. So it's like, you know, I I've said this before, I feel like I was taught certain things in life too early. Like the idea of history, I was always like, ugh, history, I could care less. And it wasn't until I was in my 30s that I was like, wait, history is awesome. And then I just started like deep diving into watching YouTube videos and caring about watching things about history and understanding the, like all of it. And so sometimes I feel like, you know, the idea of like the youth is wasted on the young. I also think conceptually the education is wasted on the young because so many, so often it's just all about memorization and so little about process and processing information and understanding how to use that information in real life, in real time. And I find that like the little kids nowadays are all being taught in such a better way. Mm -hmm. They're not being taught to memorize. They're actually being taught to ask questions and know which questions to ask. So I look at like an Adam Grant as an example of somebody where you can read his books and you can you can read his transcripts from his his lectures and and it's you 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 can feed your brain that way we can't all go to you know dartmouth or wherever he teaches penn state like we can't all get there mhm so your kids are bilingual right mm no trying. they're speaking yeah they speak english they speak <laughs> english do they understand other languages yes what do they respond in? English. So how has the last year and a half been for you? Because I will, I do want to kind of circle back to what you and Ashton did in the Ukraine as it's still going on. I'm the daughter of immigrants, first generation, and it was all about shed where you're from, shed where you're from. You don't yeah. be American, be American, fit in. And that was Arab and German. I wish I spoke Arabic or German or had more. But like you, as I got older, I got more and more into the history of where I'm from and, and my parents. How's the last year and a half been for you? One, just doing amazing things. Then also as a person, getting to be one of Time Magazine's 100 Most Influential People in the World. I mean, that's a yeah. huge thing. And I know we, we go, oh, yeah, isn't that great? But it is enormous recognition for all of that. So I just want you to just let me know what's what's going on with Mila right now in that in that stuff in the last year and a half. I, I think what you said was right, right? Like, it's not like my parents necessarily even told me assimilate, assimilate, assimilate. It's not like we're the Borg, but I definitely was like, uh, that's behind me. Learn English, become American, consume content, understand what's happening, what your surroundings, because it's survival. It's all based on survival skills. And so simulation is just another form of survival. And uh, by the way, I loved it. I loved the simulation. I was like, there's a television and a thing called cereal and all popcorn and bananas. Like, I was like, I'll assimilate any day. This version of life was so much better than that version of life. Like, why wouldn't you want to assimilate? Um, and I had my kids and I was like, never thought twice about it. Uh, I never, they, they eat Russian food because my mother cooks. 
um, for them or for us, I should say. My mom brings us food all the time. So they grew up eating Russian food, but I never made a thing about it. Like I was never like, this is not American food. I was like, you're just culturally, you're going to eat whatever. You eat Russian food, Mexican, you eat whatever. And then this war breaks out. And my kids were, I mean, like I say it as a joke of like, you are Ukrainian. The truth is my kids picked it up themselves. They knew that I was Ukrainian, that they are themselves half Ukrainian, half American. And we started talking about the, the war in Ukraine. And my seven-year-old at the time was like, there's a war where you're from? And I was like, oh, yeah, there's this war. And we try to explain it in a kid-friendly way. And she herself found identity in that conversation where she decided she was going to be super proud to be from this country that was fighting for its freedom. And so if anything, like it wasn't until my kid did that that I went, mm. oh, yeah. I mean, I make the joke of like I told them to do it. I didn't. You, they're babies. What am I going to tell them? Like it wasn't until... She decided, like, she made that that connection, and then I, my husband and I were like, "Oh, wow!" It, it just was like it's sad. It's just like this heavy weight that she was so proud of something that I so pushed behind me my whole life because it made me other. But in her world and in her bubble and in this generation, being other is awesome. And so it's just a different way that these kids are being raised. That her, she's like, oh my God, I'm so cool. I'm different. I'm so cool. And I was like, yeah, you are pretty cool, babe. But it <laughs> wasn't until that moment. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. Do you think you have an actor in either one of them? God, I'm so afraid to say in case they ever get older and listen to this. <laughs> um, we should be so lucky. <laughs> you, you know what? Touche, my friend. Touche. Um, oh, God, do I think any of them are going to be actors? I fear that they will, yes. Yeah. I mean, no, I'm kidding. I, I think it'd be great if they do. They started doing this fake vlog on my phone where they, like, recorded themselves. Like, we would be traveling somewhere, and they were like, we're going to do a vlog. And I was like, for who? And they're like, for ourselves. And then my daughter would be like, okay, tell me where we're at. And then my son would be like, this is our room. Now I'll take you to, like, I'd give random tours of things. So I feel like maybe my daughter will be behind the camera, but my son is a ham. Oh, yeah. He's a hammy ham ham. I'll be waiting. I'll be standing by. Watch me be wrong. <laughs> I don't know. Are you part of this Netflix 90s show by any chance? We shot a scene. Was that fun to go yeah. back and, and revisit? Oh, my God. It was so weird. It was so weird because the stage is the same. The, the 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 area that the show takes place in the basement, the kitchen, Deborah Joe, Kurtwood Smith, that's all the same. They updated it to make it look like 90s Wisconsin, which is more like 80s America, <laughs> um, which is wonderful. And my husband and I are married in the show, which I think is weird because unless I'm wrong, which some Internet, you know, can correct me. I think I ended up with Wilmer's character. I thought I ended up with Fez. So. I think it's weird that I'm not with Fez and I'm all of a sudden with my like super duper ex over there from season five. And I'm like, why are we together? <laughs> but so we're together. Um, it was so weird to shoot for me, not for him. For me, it was so weird. He's a, clearly a better actor than I am because I kept looking and going, I, I can't stop laughing. This is so weird. And he was like, get it together. And I was like, I can't. <laughs> um, all right. Well, I have one last question for you, which I'm asking everybody that's coming on the podcast this season. I started thinking about it in my own life. There's so much stuff going on just personally and in the world and professionally, like trying to stay in gratitude more often than not. And 
mm-hmm. really trying to celebrate the small wins. So my question is basically as simple as that. What has been a small win for you lately? <laughs> I'll tell you. It's really an easy answer. Getting my kids to school on time. Okay. But let me be let me let me explain that. Early, not on time early. That's a win for me. It because it's the hardest thing is to get there before the bell rings. And when I can accomplish that, I have a really good day. Like I start my day off and I'm like, I did it. I did the one thing I had to do today. I didn't run them into the classroom. So those to me are little wins. And I mean it when I get them to school before the bell rings and we have time to go to the library or I'm a, I win as a mom. Um, I think uh, self-care is a really interesting something or other that I have found in the times of COVID that I think maybe other people have as well. But the idea of um, not having guilt over taking time for myself once a month to go get a facial, even though I know that this time could be used to go and be with the kids, I'm going to make the decision to be with myself for two hours and that's okay. That's actually a great gift I'm giving myself and my family. That to me has been a very, very long learning process that when I do it, I'm super proud of myself and considered to be a win is taking time for myself away from responsibility. I would say staying up past 9.30 p.m., that's my, my, like, I win. Like, I'm really proud of myself when I stay up and my husband and I finish an episode of House of Dragons without falling asleep. I'm really proud of us. That's usually a solid win. Yeah, Those are about it. Those are our little wins. <laughs> that's the same for me. Staying up past uh, 9.30 for whatever reason is, is a win, whether yeah. watching or reading or just anything is, yeah. is a anything. huge win. Anything past 9.30. I'm like, look at me. I'm adulting. <laughs> I'm so resplendent and wild. <laughs> I love it. Well, congratulations on the movie. Thank it's you. It's great to see you again, Mila. And, you. you know, I look forward to the next time and the next project. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Bye for now. Bye. Luckiest Girl Alive is streaming on Netflix, October 7th. Thanks so much for joining me. I'm Krista Smith, your host and creator of the show. Skip Intro is produced and edited by Isabel Arricchio and engineered by Dave Corwin. Special thanks to our coordinator, Alyssa Hillman. Please subscribe, rate, and review Skip Intro wherever you've been listening. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Krista Smith. If you enjoy the podcast, please go to NetflixQ.com for more. That's NetflixQueUE.com. 